Chris Kelsey here with. And this episode of the first round, Matt and I are going to fire up the old Netflix engine and discuss a pair of, I'm going to say, interesting films. First up, Matt, the Obamas produced Leave the World Behind. It's Sam Esmail's adaptation of the book that brings together a great cast as they deal with something kind of potentially cataclysmic or not, or maybe. And then it's on to Todd Haynes' latest film, May, December, featuring my first ex-wife, Natalie Portman, and then Julianne Moore. Uh, Portman is an actress spending time at with Moore as she's portraying her in a TV movie and, as Matt likes to say, hijinks ensue. There's the Holly and Jolly rundown of the big releases on physical media featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to close out the season with our perfect Christmas playlists just for you. We're going to start with 10 songs. I'm going to have actually a few more that you'll be able to jump over to our Spotify page and check out for the full list. And we'll add Matt's songs as well. So if you're looking for like, man, I wonder what like the best Chris Mix Miss would be. This this will help you kind of nail that down. Though I did resist, Matt, you should be proud of me to include any Bowie or really Bing. no Bing, no Bing at I all. Say Bowie and Bing. I think Bing's allowed. Well, well, my Bowie Bing oh, thing okay. isn't in my ten. Now my master list, which is gigantic, <laughs> sure it's in there. But I wanted to give you a little. Well, all we'll right. talk about it when we get there. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about leaving the world behind. You okay, Rose? I think that ship is heading towards us. What was that, sweetie? Clay? Yeah? Clay. Yeah. Wow. It's getting close, huh? I think that's a problem. It's got to stop. It's a big boat. Big oil tanker type boat. boat. That's a ship. As any boat person will tell you. (laughs) That's fair. It's it's a it's a uh, it's a (laughs) schooner. (laughs) It's a sailboat. Matt, what is leave the world behind all? So, Julie Roberts and I apologize for some reason. I'm pretty much blanking on all of their names at this point. Uh, She decides to. It'd be good for her and her family to get out of the city. You know, as a quick uh, vacation on Long Island, uh, long weekend. So they rent an Airbnb, head out with uh, her husband, Ethan Hawke, and two kids. When they suddenly lose all connectivity. The phones don't work. The TV doesn't work. The internet doesn't work. But they don't really seem particularly concerned about it. When Marshall Ali's character and his daughter show up in the middle of the night saying that they own the house that there's a blackout in new york and uh can he come and stay there but it's a little weird because it seems like there's he knows more than what he's letting on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that mystery unfolds matt for a good <laughs> two hours and uh 20 minutes i know right it was a long too much movie so, man, I don't know. I was watching this thing, right? Knowing that the Obamas produced it <laughs> freaks me out a bit. Because I'm like, I'm wondering how much of this is possible. Because right? he knows. If anybody's going to know, he knows. Yeah. And the fact that he's part of this. No, I granted, mm-hmm. I know it's based on a book. 
But I mean, this is, I feel like his involvement is like a taciturn. Acknowledgement that this you know, is something that we should be worried thumbs about. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what are your thoughts on the leave, leave the World Behind? But I think both of us feel mm-hmm. maybe it runs a little long. Does it have some yeah. redeeming parts to it? Did you get yeah, into so it? Yeah, so I think it does not? have some redeeming parts to it, definitely. I think, you know, there's the whole kind of uh, in a crisis, people start to get distrustful of each other. They don't, you know, people start looking out for themselves as opposed to their fellow man. Uh, shows how quickly once we're kind of separated from our technological devices that we can barely can t- help ourselves, whether that's not even being able to find their way to the grocery store because without a GPS, they don't know how to get around anymore. So I think there are parts of this that are interesting, but my major complaints are this is that one Mm -hmm. Julia Roberts character intentionally. So is very unpleasant and I don't enjoy watching her generally anytime she's on the screen Two the kind of what's happening and presenting the hardships and the kind of scary stuff is too few and far between. There are these long gaps where they're sitting there talking about stuff that could be going on without actually kind of seeing it. I wish there was more of it. Um, Although I do say, I'm not saying I want to necessarily see more than what they showed us. I think they just could have trimmed out those long sections in between. They could have cut those down some to get the running time down a little bit. And yeah, I I think those are my major complaints. I think there are some interesting bits of this, but it's kind of just too much of a slog. Yeah, I think that's a big problem, right? He's so focused on building up the paranoia. And I will say at times, especially in the beginning, I think he does a fine job with the tension and the anxiety and what's really happening. It gets a little redundant when we get our shifting camera angles where we'll go upside down or sideways, right? The first couple times, cool. All right, I get what we're going for here. But then... It's weird. It's almost like a paint by numbers. Like, all right, now I've got to increase. Now I got to introduce another another piece for them to be paranoid or suspicious about something. And tilt camera, right? You know, it it's kind of feels like that. And then it's it, I don't know. I know he's trying to keep us off balance. It's just that it's there's so much kind of in between where there's nothing really kind of happening. But then there's moments where it's really interesting, like the. The scene with the uh, Teslas, though I'm sure Tesla, or especially right now, must be just head over heels in love with the mm-hmm, fact that mm-hmm. they get that kind of uh, press coverage considering they just had to recall, yeah. what, like 2 million cars because of the autopilot feature. So that's fine. Uh, and then there's this weird kind of moment of intimacy between Julie Roberts and Ali that doesn't really work. It's, I just don't think it's any good when they're doing the the little dancing with the records and stuff. I think all around the performances are all solid. I think Michelle is good. I think Ethan's good. I think, just like you say, the Matt, where he becomes this totally dispensable, un- unuseful pers- human being because right. he doesn't have his technology. Kevin Bacon shows up as the hoarder, kind of with what Doomsday yeah, prepper right. guy as well. So he has his little moment there. I, I don't know. I think I enjoyed Robert's disdain for people because she's kind of a kindred spirit. For me, which is one thing, one of the weird things I've never been able to square the mm. circle about myself is because I I always believe the best in people, but I'm also always shrouded in cynicism and I don't like people generally. So I don't quite understand how that is. So I get that. I get that a little bit. And one thing too, I think that works is that I, 
am interested in, or at least I appreciate how open to interpretation the film is as to what's happening. Now, we do get kind of a potential payoff of what's really happening the whole time. And uh, I know they try and have it be a little ambiguous as to who is responsible for it type of thing. But I, it, it, come on. We, we all know. We all know. The same thing, too. We want to talk a little bit about the Civil War trailer, yeah. Alex Garland's new film. Like, he tries to mask, like, who, what side kind of would be, because he has California right. and Texas team up to right. secede from the Union. But, uh, all right, we, we know where you're going. Either way, I think Leave the World Behind has its moments of tension and paranoia. I think some of the moments are truly scary. The stuff with the boat is interesting. The Teslas. Uh, some of the stuff, the interpersonal relationships between Roberts and Ali and Hawk and his daughter, um, Yaha. I think that's that's fine. I think it's okay. And in the end, Matt, that's kind of where I ended. It's okay. It's a little too long. But it's fine, Matt. That's why it gets a gentleman yeah. C plus from yeah, me. Yeah, I think it's a little also kind of all over in the place of its messaging. Like, so you have to don't trust the rich. Your crazy neighbor who yeah. you, who's like... A conspiracy theorist may be right, so maybe you want to be hang, be on the good side of that dude. And weirdly, like uh, you also can't trust the government and elements in the government, and but you can't trust right wing people because they're trying to kill us all. I I don't know. It's kind of all over the place in in what possible messaging it could have. You know, because it doesn't want to offend I anybody. Yes, but I mean, if you're gonna go out and do this, I mean, what's and what's really scary? Even bringing up Alex Garland's new film watching the how the far right is reacting to that like it's a call to arms kind of thing is 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 wild is wild out there but i digress yeah i think um for me i think it's gonna get a c i think it's it's at one point mm -hmm. i'm sitting there watching this thing and i pause it to go to the bathroom or something which is part of the beauty of watching netflix at home and i'm like jesus this thing has only been on for an hour we still got another hour and a half of this and like it's it's a lot a lot right I know, I know Matt was really excited, though, because of my travel plans. <laughs> plans. I'm like, you know, let's just stay at home this week. Let's that try and knock nice. some incredibly out here. Though I did see, I'm gonna, you know, I forgot to drop it in the intro. I'm, I saw Eileen, okay. and I saw Die Hard in okay. 4K. So I'll drop my thoughts on that as well. But uh, if you had a chance to see uh, Leave the World Behind, which is currently streaming on Netflix, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Um... Yeah, that's okay. that. Awesome. So uh, I got spent a minute too. Let's let's. I just want to tell you what I thought about Eileen because I don't think it's going to be something that Matt's going to really want to see. But maybe after I talk about it, he will. So let's take a listen. <coughs> Sorry, I don't usually smoke. It's a nasty habit. That's why I like it. Not very becoming of a lady though. Turns your teeth yellow. See. That's cigarettes and coffee. And red wine. Oh, your teeth are perfect. I don't drink coffee, so my teeth should be fine, but they're all rotted due to my extreme propensity for sweets. A propensity for sweets? You don't get enough sweetness in your life? I just eat a lot of candy. Mm. I wouldn't know it to look at you. You're so petite. Being tall is its advantages, of course, but those men are just too short for me. 
Have you noticed, or am I imagining things, that men these days are getting shorter and shorter, bolder and fatter? All the men around here are little boys. You're funny. So, Matt, that is a clip from Eileen. That is a scene between uh, Thompson McKenzie and then Anne Hathaway. So Mackenzie plays a young woman. She works at a boys' correctional facility in Boston. This is the kind of nondescript, but it's the 60s. Okay. And uh, she has a, a drunk father, played by Shea Wiggum. And he's a former police chief who did something and had to get an early retirement. So he's a drunk and a bit of a handful. It's basically her life's going nowhere and she's stuck. The uh, shrink at the uh, boys' prison there is retiring and is replaced by uh, Anne Hathaway who introduces a level of dynamism and just spark in her life. And she becomes she infatuated with her and tries to build a relationship. And the two of them actually become friendly and close. And then the film takes one of the craziest left turns I have seen in a film for a very long time. The swerve is rough, Matt. But if you can hang with it, I think it's worth it. Uh, I think that it's one of the... I think it's been a great year for um, women uh, in performances leading in these... Having these big starring roles in these films, we're going to talk next week. I know Matt's really excited about uh, Poor Things, but uh, with Emma Stone, the new, the new Yorgos film. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, still, uh, Hathaway's great in this, as is Thomas and McKenzie. Both of them fantastic. And I would say, too, for it's directed by uh, William Oldroyd. And this is, there's some daring filmmaking polls here. I mean, you can feel. The aesthetics of this film, you can feel the time frame. The whole thing really comes alive. And I would say if you've ever wanted to see a Hitchcock film with two legit female leads, right? Instead of kind of more of them being ornamental or things that needed to be saved, whatever the case may be. Then, uh, and I th- also too one of the with, I think one of the better genre tilts that you will see in a film in the past ten years. I think Eileen is the film for you. I mean, this thing is filled for me with promise. I can't wait to see uh, what this guy does next. It's it's really just you, the film is so it's like cold because it takes place in Boston in the winter. And you can feel it, right? I mean, there's lots of these different moments, Matt. And I was really impressed with Eileen. I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. So I'm going to give it a B plus. I'm s- sitting on a minus with it as well. But uh, man, that turn it takes, it's just... Because what's, what's one of the great things about it is it seems to effortlessly shift and slip through these kind of different genres as it goes through the drama. It's actually kind of dark, mm-hmm. very darkly funny. Um, there's a romance angle between because uh, Thompson McKenzie's character... Uh, Eileen, she like she likes the one of the men guards there, but then like Anne Hathaway shows up and there's bright platinum, almost blonde hair, and just just bold, what just bolt of lightning in the, in her life, and it's just really, I don't know, it was a really interesting experience. So you should definitely check out Eileen if you get the chance. I, I appreciate you doing everything you can to make a liar out of me saying we don't give a lot of a minuses i should take that step back as saying that i don't give a lot of a minuses chris gives a ton of a minuses yes doesn't give a lot of a's but a lot yeah, of a minuses. Yeah. yeah i keep going back and forth i have to go about that right now i'm gonna be plus because i still i i don't know i just don't know if people are going to be able to hang with the turn that's all so I'm interested to hear what you say. It's currently available in theaters. I think down only a couple shows at this point. Maybe next week when Aquaman and Four Things and everything else drops, it's going to be gone. But feedback at thefirstrun.com.
Matt, let's talk about what's coming up on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, December 26th. It's a small week. Just a few things because Christmas is over at this point. Uh, so, But there's one thing I'm really excited about. I think I have this on Blu-ray. I bought it as part of a two-pack back in the day. But it now features a brand new 2K restoration. I, I'm probably going to sit tight. But uh, I, I think this is an underappreciated uh, Bruce Willis film. His name's Smith. At least that's what he says. This is Hickey. I told you about him. Told me all about you. I've been hearing about you all over town, actually. Especially like that orphanage story. I tell you about all them little kids. Burning up like candles. My favorite part? You shot some of our guys. I guess I did. The ones that deserved it. Well, you got Finn. He's Doyle's best shooter. I thought you were the best. No, just the best looking. That, of course, is Last Man Standing, Walter Hill's adaptation of Yojimbo. Matt, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, Last I don't Man think Standing? I've ever seen Last Man Standing. No. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. All right. You should uh, check it out. Lots of violence. Lots of shootings. The firing, the guns, and it, the bang bangs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons and tons. And it is pretty close to that or, uh, mm. what, Fistful of Dollars? It's a, it's, it's basically more of a, it's closer to Fistful of Dollars, yeah. but, gotcha. you know, they're all Yojimbo. So, and in fact, Matt, that was your... There can be only one! That was your number one that, for this that week. light of a week, huh? Wow. Number three? Get three coffins ready. Uh, huh? Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2, the uh, animated kids' film, is uh, being released. I think this is a straight-to-DVD pick, Matt. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. It's a DVD release. It's not my straight-to-DVD pick. But, Matt, the Justice League has gone missing, and the villains have overrun Metropolis. There's only one team that can solve the mystery. It's Scooby-Doo and the gang. But wait, there's a new dog in town. Crypto, Superman, Superdog with superpowers. So, uh, there you go. You can pick that up. And then finally, sort of. Looks like we're shy of one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. Shout Factory is putting out the man in the iron mask. You can get this in 4K. Uh, brand new transfer on that for the original camera negative. And uh, some interviews and making of featurettes. They all appear to be uh, archival features though, Matt. You're streaming, excuse me, you're the streaming part. I do the straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with the fifth thoracic, thoracic vertebra. After a mysterious molt starts spreading across the surface of an abandoned mattress, a sentient creature begins to take shape from within. Feasting on its unsuspecting victim's vertebrae while they rest, the creature grows stronger, finding nourishment not only in the bones and sinew it assimilates, but also in the hopes, fears, and emotions of all it encounters. Hailed as both innovative and a new kind of creature feature, the fifth thoracic vertebrae is melancholic, monstrous, romantic horror that is as weird as it is unique. Which we well, I'm going to throw out week? two wildly different options out there for you. If you are a subscriber to Max, the great Ryan Gosling film of the summer, Barbie, is now available for your streaming pleasure. Look, I, I challenge you. To, not, to watch that movie and not tell me Ken is the best thing in that movie. I mean, really, come on. And then two, if you really want to go the complete opposite, if you can't possibly stomach some more uh, uh, pink and, and questionable 
uh, comments on voting and participation in government, then go check out uh, Bo is Afraid on Showtime, which is super wild Ooh. and and uh, it could be a tough sit or you could really like it depending on where you fall on the spectrum. So we did episode 668. Yeah. Matt was on Barbie. So you can mm-hmm. uh, track that one down. And when did we after do Bo is Afraid? Let me see if I can pull it up real fast. Was it like right remember. after? I don't yeah. know. We sat on that for a while because we didn't get to see it in the theaters. And it's not even coming up because I think our search oh, thing no. is, bro- is broken. So that's not good. There it is. Okay. Got it. 672. There you go. So you know what I started watching? I'm an episode in 15 minutes in. Mm-hmm. I haven't finished Godzilla yet. But um, really just top shelf dad tainment. First three episodes oh, of season yeah. two of Reacher. I saw that Amazon that came Prime. out. I immediately thought of you. Yeah. Okay. It's better so far than the first season. So we'll see. Yeah. It, that is right <laughs> in my sweet spot, man. That show. I got to tell you. So uh, what else? What is something else I wanted to tell you? Oh, okay. We announced last week or so, a couple weeks ago, the 4K, the imminent 4K releases of uh, they, uh, what is it? Not they live. Uh, of uh, Aliens, True Lies, yeah. uh, and Abyss. Now, if you've been on the Twitter at all, there are some concerns. There's some screenshots from the digital version of mm-hmm. uh, True Lies because they all dropped digitally um, yeah. the other day. So you can buy them on iTunes right now. Supposedly, not only did they go in and kind of clean things up for that Dolby Vision HDR presentation, but Cameron went to Peter Jackson's uh, special effects shop. And I guess Peter Jackson's group have developed an AI program that is supposed to go in and kind of bring out further details and clean things up a little more. And if you see these screenshots on Twitter, mm-hmm. they look horrible. It look every, it, it has this kind of rubbery wax figure look to it. Just Google like true eyes or something on Google. Go on Twitter and search for it and it should come right up. And yeah. it, it looks bad. Everything look... I'm now seriously concerned about these 4K sets when they come out. That they're going to be... Like somebody posted, well, they yassified uh, True Lies. If you look at the screen side by side, they do look... It's funny. There seems to be more detail and more color mm-hmm. and feels richer. But when you zoom in and look at it, it does. It looks like, like Tom Arnold's wearing like a rubber Tom Arnold mask. So, yeah, uh, so I mean, I've seen those pictures on X or Twitter, but uh, I didn't, I didn't, and I looked at them. I was like, okay, I don't see what the big uproar is, but I'll have to go back in and zoom in on them um, because one, it'll be interesting to see what they look like in motion, right? So that's supposedly in motion, they say it's not that bad. So that could be part of it. And what's also interesting is that they're only showing this of true lies. I haven't seen anything about the abyss or aliens at this point. So yeah. uh, I'm hoping that those turn out to be okay. Yeah. And I hope it's not some big hoax thing too, that somebody is screwing yeah, something, screwing with us too. It could be. Mm-hmm. So buy at your own risk. Maybe you can rent it first and see how it looks. I'm not sure. I just, I wouldn't, my concern is I wouldn't be surprised because there's never been a good physical media print right. of Terminator right. 2. Never. It's always mm-hmm. been DNR to death. So I was nervous about this, but eh, we'll have to see. I'm still going to wait. I'm going to basically now I'm going to wait for the 4K releases to be officially come out and get reviewed by a bunch of the outlets that I trust. And then I'll make my purchases from there. When initially, basically, I was just going to pre-order Aliens and True Lies and Abyss and just have them ready to go. 
but now I'm going to sit tight and see what they say. And then maybe I'll have to wait for some, you know, ten, fifteen dollar sales yeah. or something like that at some point then. Ugh, it's so it's so difficult being a physical media <laughs> collector because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen and then come in and screw something up. All right, Matt. So let's spend a few minutes then and talk about Todd Haynes's May December. Did you see online? Somebody post. I gotta get off Twitter. Something like I don't understand. What was the point of May December? Nobody ever mentions it in the title. It never. I mean, the film. It never comes wow. up in the discussion. Wow. What, what does that That's even mean? Bad. And and somebody had somebody had quote tweet and just said, "Open the damn schools." <laughs> here's a here's a clip. Do you remember when you first met? I don't really. No, let me see. Um, I met Joe. Um, well, I remember knowing of his family. I mean, they were the only Korean family in the neighborhood at the Half. time. Yes. And my son, Georgie, was in the same year as Joe at school. So technically, I would have met him there, but I don't have any memory of that. Right. Um, the, everyone's pretty close-knit here on the island, and you kind of recognize everyone. I know there was a point when he was friendlier with Georgie, but I didn't really meet him until he came to the pet store looking for a job. It was summer after sixth grade? Seventh. Seventh. And then he started working there after school and on the weekends. And what's it like with Georgie, your, your friendship? I haven't really talked to Georgie much since then. Huh. Now, is that too spoilerly, that clip? Because part of me wants you to people not to really know mm. what's happening in this film. And I, I, I went into this yeah. thing entirely cold. I know yeah. what the phrase means. And what I realized, I didn't know the origins of it. Oh, so I looked that up. about Mary Kay Letourneau? Oh, no, okay. no, no. Even before that. Like the original. Oh, oh the, the term May, December. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I guess it was originally okay. May, January mm-hmm. from Chaucer. But then they introduced December into the Gregorian calendar and it yeah, got shifted right. to May, December, which I didn't realize. Because I guess one of the stories about a woman whose name was May, okay. her last name was May. I think that's what it was. Um, so a young woman named May who married Mr. January, a green gentleman, for the personifying the idea of age in tandem with the seasons. Uh, this is on uh, getmod.com, which is uh, something of a psychology mm-hmm, of May, December mm-hmm. romances. I guess you got our I mean, I, I knew that it was about a May-December romance because I've heard of the term and I knew a little bit, but I was a little incorrect. I was incorrect on the specifics. But, I thought I thought that Natalie Portman and Jul- Julianne Moore's characters had had a May-December romance, but that is not what happened. <laughs> that was not the case. Not the case. No. I mean, it could be, you could have a legit May-December romance if you're 24 and the guy's like 55, right? That's Yeah, that's I mean, place. I think there's a lot less tolerance no? for, I think there's becoming less tolerance for May-December romances for, um, you know, the where the December is the guy and the May, the May is the woman. But you do see, but like, when it's switched, there seems to be a little bit more tolerance for it. But then you get into this, which is obviously... Incredibly closely based on the Mary Kay Letourneau Billy Falau uh, situation from the mm-hmm. mid 90s. So, if you're not familiar, this is a story. Of, so, basically, Natalie Portman's an actress. Mm-hmm. She's going to play Julianne Moore's character in a TV movie, mm-hmm. which I love that little touch. It adds so <laughs> much depth to the film, I think, that it's a TV movie. And Julianne Moore's character is married with two children. Three, Three children. To, uh, yeah. I, 
three. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. They have the older girl that went to college and uh, who she met while working at a pet store. And he was in seventh grade, sixth grade, mm-hmm. seventh grade. I think I just so you literally just day. played that clip where they corrected her. <laughs> and yeah. that's when he, they correct yes. her that it was seventh. That's right. That's why I knew that in my head there was a correction, but I couldn't remember when, what range, what way the correction went. So it is now like 20 years later, and they're making the TV movie about their story. So Portman comes to stay with the family to get a feel for the family, to get a feel for Julianne Moore's character and their relationships. She can portray her there. And Matt... This thing is like deviously mm. enjoyable. I really had a lot of fun watching May December. What were your thoughts? Yeah, on? I really, really enjoyed this. And I think what really sells it is on the surface, both of these women are presented as maybe not so bad. But when you kind of start mm-hmm. peeling back the layers, they're both horrible horrible people and then and what they're and they're preying on this poor damaged guy who's like so has been so stunted by his by his childhood and everything that's happened to him his own children are more savvy and mature in the way of the world than he is because he's so sheltered and it's just it is just fascinating to look at and i i I, the actor's name, um, I don't know if you have Charles, Charles Melton. Melton. I've never, apparently he was on the Riverdale show, which I never watched. Uh, but he was, he is just so good in this. I mean, as good as Natalie Portman is in this, as good as Julianne Moore is generally, but man, he is, he hits, knocks it out of the park as this, as this poor, uh, damaged man. That's, uh, kind of caught in between something that he doesn't know how to deal with. I know, man. I was blown away by by Melton. I mean, he's clearly never digested the impact mm-hmm. of what happened to him as a kid. He's still a kid inhabiting the body of a thirty or thirty five year old yeah. guy, basically, right? The way and and Julianne Moore, how she manipulates him and everybody in her orbit is just she is vilely fantastic mm-hmm. in this. I mean, she whenever she's on the screen you're you're just you're cringing because of her little her little offhand tearing at you kind of comments when she says to her children mm-hmm. or to her husband and you can see this dynamic and the, the emotional manipulation that she puts on all these people is just uh it's it's so cringy but the entire time mm-hmm. i'm riveted by it and cannot wait to see what horrible things she's yeah. going to do next and she is i mean it's not I wouldn't say it's an enjoyable experience. I was more just in awe of her performance in this. Her Melton as well, like you said, he's he's fantastic in this. But more, I mean, I think she has. See, I don't want to say like the more showy of the role. She, um, but she inhibits this character so adroitly that you can, I, I, I can just feel her, her manipulation and her how just vile a person she is and just you know and it just infects you while you're watching it and the whole film is like that too like you said with portman as she seems like oh she's the actress she's kind of glamorous but she's almost put upon Mm -hmm. by how her stardom and stuff but then she starts Mm -hmm. with him as well kind of the same way and it's just so much i don't know it's basically one of those kind of classic uh (laughs) evening soaps right even the music the music the the beats in here the uh, incidentals, the the themes, the score has that too. With this, 
these, th- these thumping kind of strings, whatever, that come up whenever something really dramatic happens. And uh, it is just, uh, I don't know, Matt. I, I'm trying, I'm blanking on the words. So you say something too, so I can yeah, figure out what the hell I'm this, trying to say. What's so the word this, I'm looking for? Melodrama over, of the is, finest degree. It is degree definitely melodramatic. It is, it is soapy as all hell. It's like, and to me, it's like if you took two femme fatales it's like you took a femme fatale from two different 40s movies and then pit them against each other because they're they are mm-hmm. um like you said julianne moore is kind of as obviously vile but natalie portman's character is is just as disgusting if not worse and it's it's just fascinating to see how horrible you know everybody is and how damaged all this like this entire relationships and how messed up everybody is and all this stuff. And like, it makes you sit there and think about like, okay, so the older girl has moved out. The two, the twins have just graduated high school. They're getting ready to go off to college. What is this? What is going to happen to this poor guy? Like, what is like, what is he got left? I mean, it's just his, his monarch butterflies and his, his WhatsApp conversations that he keeps secret. That's basically what he's got. Absolutely. Yeah. And one other thing too, that I think Haynes is really successful on is I'm wondering how many people caught this and when they're watching it, is it's just as much an indictment on them as the people who just soak up this kind of mm-hmm. material in real life, the reality TV shows, the Mary Laterno story, TV movies, like the, you know, the back in the day for our youth, Matt, oh, the yeah. Amy Fisher stories, they had like three different TV movies on that, that kind of thing, right? He is pointing the finger at, at those, at us, just as much mm-hmm. as he is at them. And I don't know how Haynes threads this needle as well as he does, but he does. It is very funny at times, very off-putting, but at no point is it not just absolutely enthralling. So uh, just over-the-top scandalous, like we said, nighttime soap opera type stuff. And it is, it's, uh, uh, I felt like uh, Philip in uh, The Witch, mm. The Witch, you know, doused, does the want to live <laughs> deliciously in the, uh, May December is the cinematic version of that continued, Matt. I'm gonna give it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna do it to you. You ready? It's an A minus. It's yeah. an A minus. You know what? I like that. I agree with you. It's an A minus. You can trust my A minus, folks, because I think this is probably the third one I've given out all year. <laughs> <laughs> so um, May December is currently streaming mm-hmm. on Netflix. So uh, I don't know, man. I think there's man. I, I keep going back and forth. There's gonna be Oscar noms for the any. I, I think all three of them could uh could be in contention uh, they're all fantastic in this so choose an email feedback at the first run.com i tell you every time that piano would come in <laughs> dun, dun, when they you know you were waiting for the the, sh- the turn to the camera and the dramatic pause you know it, it's right. like it's that kind of stuff but so good all right let's go ahead and share matt our uh, uh 10 we'll put a little playlist together for you for our uh, christmas playlist just for you and again, you're going to be able to go to our Spotify. Just go to Spotify and search for the first run. I think I may also be under me under Chris at Chris Scalzo. And you'll be able to find an expanded list from me as well as uh, Matt's stuff as well. But here's one that's not quite in my top 10. You know, I think it's kind of uh, hot to be wearing these scarves. In oh, here. Yeah. Well, the scarves are must. You can't go caroling without a scarf. Catch your death. Man, you were like one of those kids I remember in uh, high school that used to sell the most candy bars for the marching band. <laughs> yeah, you know? and you'd yeah. be president of the swing choir, too. <laughs> uh, thanks, Joe Robinson. Thanks, Tom Servo. <laughs> what a kiss up this guy. Uh, okay, now, if you'll all look at your sheet music, uh, we can rehearse my new song. 
You wrote a Christmas song? Hey, there's no tradition like a new tradition. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's have a Patrick Swayze Christmas? Uh, yeah, yeah. Based on my favorite movie, Roadhouse. Come on, what the heck does Patrick Swayze have to do with Christmas? Hey, you keep Christmas in your way and let me keep it in mine, okay? Oh, uh, come on, sir. It seems like a nice enough sentiment. We can give it a shot. Come All on. All right, okay, <clears throat> okay. 12-8 uh, time, uh, uh-huh. key of A-flat major. Oh, uh, Cambot, shoot him the tune. Uh, okay, you'll just have to stay with me, everybody, okay? All uh, your parts are written out. Let's have a Patrick Swayze Christmas. By Crow T Robot. All right, so we're not going to play the whole thing because it runs another about two <laughs> minutes there. But uh, I remember being a huge fan of the Patrick Swayze Christmas back in the day. That, of course, is from mm-hmm. Mystery Science Theater. I do have to crack out, crack out, or open up my uh, my Santa Claus Conquers the Martian nice. MST3K episode. So part of my uh, holiday traditions, Matt. On to start off, my Christmas playlist. Now, again, focusing just on 10 songs for now. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna open it up. I think with the best way to do it, Matt, which is Andy Williams' most mm. wonderful time of the year. Okay. Uh, it's a it's just a great opener. It gets everything rolling. Everybody's in a good mood, you know, and it's uh it's fun. It's good. That's why it's my okay. Well, great. Then we're gonna have very disparate lists here. This is gonna be really wild when we talk about this because in honor okay. of the very very recent passing of Shane McGowan I am going to recommend Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues you can you know classic uh, Irish punk band you can hear about Christmas time in the drunk tank in New York in the 70s and a and uh really you know be uplifted by the the gutters of uh of uh, 70s New York yeah I that's I never mm. really listened to the Pogues I feel like I need to do that uh, add it to the list, Matt. Then my number two, we're going to transition smoothly to uh, the Vince Garaldi Trio's mm. Christmas Time is Here from the Charlie mm-hmm. Brown Christmas special. And uh, you could, uh, there's an instrumental version, which is nice too, but I'm going with the full uh, vocal that is a good track. One. I, I, I'm a big fan of the Vince Garaldi Trio. Um, all right, so then my number nine, I guess my ninth choice would be Again, sticking with the theme, this will be the last time one of these kind of kind of things shows up. I'm gonna throw the Kinks Father Christmas on there because you need to have a uh, some mm-hmm. rock in there as we move ever ever closer to my uh, choral traditional music. <laughs> so then I'm gonna go next up. My was gonna be uh, Leon Redbones, the uh, classic kind of jazz blues or uh, uh, what, what would you, did you describe him as blues? I guess you would, Leon Redbone. Either way, he did a Christmas album, which I absolutely adore. My dad used to play it all the time when I was a kid. And his cover of Frosty the Snowman mm-hmm. with Dr. John comes in as well and kind of sings parts of it. it is fantastic and is always a standard on all, all of right. my Christmas playlists. So my number eight is uh, in honor of my esteemed co-host uh, and his July 25th Ooh. birthday. Uh the indie darling Sufjan Stevens has released a Christmas album that's really good. And it's gonna it's gonna another song on it, it's going to make an appearance on this list. But he has a version he has a song called Christmas in July that uh, I think uh is uh you know perfect for A Arcos and it's actually a fun little catchy indie song. Yeah, I'll have to check that out then. So then I'm going to shift smoothly, Matt, into some uh, 80s pop for the mm. next two entries. First up, we're going to go with Wham's okay. Last Christmas. Of course, I think it was mm-hmm. definitely going to be on my list. And uh, it's just a sweet romantic. I got to tell you, Matt, when I was growing up as a kid, love and romance was always part of the kind of Christmas 
thing for me, a little added magic. If you got a crush on somebody, you're dating somebody, whatever the case may be, and being able to share the holiday with someone you love is uh, really sweet and wonderful, even though that's mm-hmm. kind of more of a breakup mm-hmm. song, right? So Very good. anyway. All right. Well, then, you last know what? Christmas. I'm going to move that my last Christmas down one on my list so you can go ahead and talk about another one because, you know, there's there's a... <laughs> There's a challenge to avoid this song, listening to the song as long as possible and during the Christmas season, trying not to hear it. And it's an exercise in futility, but I, it is a very fun song. Even my daughter knows the words of that song. Nice. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I'm go- Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go next up with The Waitress's Christmas Rapping. Now, there's been some argument online I've read recently okay, that I've people do not like it. this song. And they think... It's bad. You if you if you Google it or pull it up on your Spotify, you'll oh yeah, I know this song. But the waitress Christmas rapping is that's when it goes Merry Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah, Merry yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, da, the waitress. Yeah, gotcha. so, I, I know what boys like. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, there you go. Which is a song I sing all the time during uh, softball <laughs> games, much to uh, my teammates' chagrin. So, um, but I also sing it in a weird voice. Either way. Christmas wrapping is always another one that always gets me really charged up and very happy for the holiday. It's just, it's got a great little tune to it. It really just bops along. It's a lot of fun and always gets me in a good mood. So that's why Christmas right, wrapping is on my list. Well, I'm going to go then with a, a, a cliche. Some people hate this song because it's played so damn much and it always makes Mariah Carey a number one again every year. But mm. all I want for Christmas is you is kind of a bop and you can't really fight it. So just go with it. Yeah. yeah, I've surrendered to it a couple of years ago. I finally just mm-hmm. gave in because it is a good song and it is the, I guess, the unofficial or even at this point official mm-hmm. start to the holiday season. Yeah. Once you start hearing that song, you know it's time. And I think the least the good thing about it is that it is <laughs> it a good is. song. So like you just said, you just kind of succumb to it and just kind of give in and then and that's that. So um, for R&B covers, I think my all-time favorite may be the Drifters mm. version of White Christmas. Uh, a classic if you haven't heard their version i've heard it for the first time like 15 years ago and i instantly fell in love with it it's got a little doo-wop in it and uh some great vocals and it mix turns it into a more of a slow ballad version you know the bing crosby version it it brings it to life for me and that's why it's on my lips so the drifters white Christmas. okay um so then my I don't even know where we are on the list. My next one, then I'll just say that is uh, is uh, from Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, it's the it's what's this? It's where the King of Halloween, Jack Skellington, falls through the Christmas tree and appears in Christmas Town, and he is baffled by everything that he sees, and uh, of course puts it to song. Nice. So then I'm going to shift Matt over to a little oh, jazz gross. for a couple of these now. One of my favorite Christmas albums growing up, again, that my dad used to play is the Wynton Marsalis Crescent mm-hmm. City Christmas Card. And one of the songs on there mm-hmm. is Sleigh Ride. And I know, I guess we kind of consider Ella Fitzgerald's to be the definitive version of that song, I think. Though I do love the Ventures version. Uh, but Wynton Marsalis' Sleigh Ride, there's some scatting on the song. Not that kind, the classic jazz version. And it is, uh, it's fun. It's great. And it's got some great horns by Marsalis and the rest of the band. 
and it's probably the most fun song on the album All right. so there you go um so then sticking with the kid movie uh transition um the entire muppets christmas carol album is is mm. awesome but if i'm gonna choose one i'm gonna go with one more sleep till christmas okay oh you know what i'm like that's not on there but i was in my head i was thinking no, of the john no, Denver. this is muppets the christmas this is song. the muppet version of the, Chris, of the christmas different. carol yeah mrs first on that's her favorite record mm. is the uh, john denver gotcha muppets. for christmas albums that muppets john denver album she absolutely well i got it for her on vinyl a few years okay. ago so we play it nice. every year so she loves that uh next then is les brown's nutcracker nut nutcracker <laughs> nutcracker sweet i yeah. love the nutcracker the yeah. arabian tea is actually one of my favorite pieces of music mm -hmm. ever written yeah ever like hands down i love the, the melody of that but Les Brown's kind of um, uh, jazz version of it. I know Brian Sitzer did a cover of it a few years ago for his uh, album. But Les Brown's version uh, is just crackling with energy and brings an Nutcracker Suite to life like I'd never hmm. heard before. And uh, I listen to it over and over again uh, during the holidays. Interesting. So, I've, uh, so does he do the whole thing or is it just the Arabian Tea? It's a, it's a, no, it's 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 a suite, so it's uh, kind of a condensed okay. version. So it runs about like four some odd minutes, gotcha. and it kind of runs okay. through all the main things. All right. Yeah, but it's, I'm a big fan great. of that cracker too. Um, okay, so then my number three, I guess, is um, Carol of the Bells. I love the fact that it's mm -hmm. in. You know, it's got the kind of top note, the the melody, but then it's got that uh, harmony line underneath and it's in a minor key. And it basically gives it a, a vaguely sinister kind of go through. And there are a few songs that are actually going to, this is kind of the first of two songs in a minor key that actually have, I like that kind of, um, kind of subdued vibe to them. But I think uh, Carol of the Bells, especially the one from, uh, that John Williams did for the Home Alone soundtrack is, is real nice real mm -hmm. nice clark you ever heard the john williams boston mm -hmm. pops christmas album okay that's pretty good too that's some classic stuff right in there and uh what was i gonna say all right i guess it's, i'm gonna shift okay. back into traditional okay. now to close it out my list here for my final two songs um burl lives okay. is a holly jolly christmas heartwarming you can feel the 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 chestnuts roasting on the open fire on that one you're all cuddled up you're looking out the window there's some snow falling and taking it all in, the presence, the family, whatever the case may be, it is uh, just a warm blanket of a song that always puts a smile on my face. So, Burl Ives, not okay. as the penultimate song. Well, my yeah. penultimate song, again, is we're going to go back to Sufjan Stevens' uh, Christmas album, his version of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It basically starts with him, you know, very sparse, uh, some flutes, it's just it might even be recorders uh and him just kind of singing as he plucks on a banjo and then it builds in guitars and then more singers come in it just kind of builds and builds and builds again it's in a minor key so it has a much more contemplative feel to it and i i just love his voice in it and it's it's so good so it's uh you know your hipster uh entry of the of this entire list i'm gonna have to check that album mm -hmm. out Thanks for the tips on that, Matt. Then I'm going to close mine out with Sinatra. And Holly Jolly Christmas, Sinatra's Christmas album, is okay. my favorite Christmas album. I listen to it during the year. I love it so much. And 
I think to close it out, though there's not a single weak song on that entire album, I'm going to go with his version of Have Yourself okay. a Merry Little Christmas. Because not only is it beautiful, not only does it have its moments of uh, somberness, mm-hmm. if that's a word, uh, it is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and I know a lot of people, you know, Frank didn't write his own songs, but I don't think ever anybody ever sang the mm-hmm. songs like he did. And the emotion and the depth and what he, and the, the vocals, what he's able to bring to these songs, these Christmas songs, is just beautiful. There are moments on that album, Matt, where I get like chills listening to it. That's how I think well done it is. So that's what I'm closing it out with. Sinatra's Have okay. Yourself a Merry Little Well, I'm going super traditional crooner as well for my number one. I'm going to go with Nat King Cole's version of the Christmas song. I think... Um, Basically, it's just the kind of encapsulates everything about the kind of uh, comfort of the season and being with your family and, and the people you love and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's I think, uh, a perfect, soft encapsulation that's essentially, you know, the when you combine the vocals and what they're and the kind of soft music, it's basically like a, a warm blanket while you're waiting and sitting in front of the fire, yep. waiting for Santa to come down the chimney. There you go. And written by Mel Torme, who has his own version. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty good, too. But uh, I think Nats is the definitive version. So there you go. Now, we're going to have mm-hmm. extended version of these, and we're going to put them up okay. on the Spotify page. I'll have links in the show notes for this as well. So you'll be able to click right in the podcast and then be brought, brought, brought to it. I'll get there. Oof. And uh, that's that. So I'm not even going to mention honorable mentions because okay. you're going to get them there. So uh, what's your favorite Christmas song? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Coming up next week, Matt, first off, I want to tell you, I think I teased it. I may have talked about it or I talked about it off air. I can't remember. But mm-hmm. I saw Die Hard okay. and Dolby Theater okay. for the holidays. And first off, no surprise to anything, that's, that film still holds up. It is still oh, one yeah. of the best action films, mm-hmm. I think, of all time. But seeing it in the Dolby was great now the picture was good it was solid uh, i wasn't anything revelatory right. watching it the key for me i think was uh seeing it in the theater with that sound now from what i understand there's a 4k release of Die Hard out there that does not have a dolby atmos mix i think it just has uh, a uh, uh a 5.1 surround mix and i and I, I even i may even be lossy i don't know if it's lossless either way still when the uh c4 chair mm-hmm. uh monitor explosion yeah. goes with the building man feeling being in a theater and feeling yeah. that rocking nice. that was uh that was quite an experience so uh, i was very glad i got to check it out and uh it was fun to see that kind of thing and, and thank god it wasn't a fathom <laughs> event or whatever right so it had to be some really crappy you know vhs copy it wasn't like that it was good it was picture presentation was perfectly good perfectly fine sound was fine was good fun experience very glad nice. i got to see it in the theater so, next week, I don't, Matt, I don't know if I'd even bother looking at the calendar. I don't even know how remotely close to accurate that is because of the holidays and the releases of everything. So, What's it, it says saying? we're going to check out uh, Poor Things, which I go back mm-hmm. and forth on. Sometimes I watch the I watch some of the commercials and I'm like, this could be good. Especially when they show me different commercials. But other times I'm like, I'm going to fucking hate this. So, let's. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this. And then, um, second, I think our second option was... Uh, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, which comes out on Netflix. 
No, so I think it's actually going to be, uh, if we can pull it off, it's going to be oh, four things Aquaman. Okay. Wow. It's tough. If that's all right we'll with see. you. Yeah. So that's the general plan. Ooh, and then it's the 2024 oh, preview. Man, that means I actually have to do some work for this show? Shit. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, buddy. And then uh, Ferrari's coming out. There's a lot of stuff coming. I, I can't tell you. I probably every two days, even though I think I have a reminder set for uh, tickets mm. for a zone of interest. I feel like that's like the next big kind of art, art kind of art house film thing I, I desperately want to see. I think it's Jonathan Glazier and uh, about the uh, people who live in the uh, beautiful house right next door to oh. the uh, concentration camp in World okay. War II. Nazi. Yeah. So that's supposed to be uh, interesting. So I'll have to wait for that. And then I still have to see um, Past Lives. Which is going to be, yeah. I think, right up my alley. The big corny mm-hmm. romantic guy that I am. Uh, so, I don't know. There's a bunch of stuff. We'll have to start getting through it, Matt, as we get closer to the end of the year. And, of course, into yeah, early. It's my favorite year. part of the year. Because of the year. all of the big stuff that's coming out usually sucks ass. And then so Chris makes me go and see all these kind of like indie movies that he's super excited for. That are like, have like one showing like on a Tuesday night or something. So, that's, <laughs> you know, that's that I have to go, <laughs> go check out. Well, you're not going to have a problem true. finding that's Aquaman's very true. You're right. You're you're right. I'm not going to have right. a problem with that. I'm just saying as we get deeper into like January, February, that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, Zone of Interest yeah. will probably be tough. Maestro. Uh, I don't even know if that's even get a theatrical release. I imagine it is. Maybe at some point, too. Actually, mm. it's not until February is the... Um... Yes, I'm one of those people who like to say Febru- February. February. Like that <laughs> yeah. February. Yeah, yeah, I like to do that. I'm a pretentious jerk. Uh, is that a four-hour cut of Napoleon? Mm, I know I'm Matt's all over that. For that. So that's that. I guess that'll be that. So uh, in the meantime, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, Twitter. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And I guess that will be that. So uh, Matt, why don't we go ahead and take an extended break? We love you very much. Have a great holiday. And we'll see you soon. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, George! Merry Christmas, movie home! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building alone! Happy New Year to you in jail.